Well, friends, um, we've been doing the Sermon on the Mount, and each week it's, it's always interesting to me because <clears throat> one of the elders will say to me, all right, we've done adultery, we've done divorce, we've done gossip, we've hit all the big ones. We're not going to do money, are we? And, um, and here's, here's the amazing thing about this, though. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about money four different times, more than anything else that he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. And we've talked about some really serious stuff. And yet, um, I thought about this and I thought, well, if I don't put all the money verses together, they're all going to go home, grab their Bibles, count it out, and on those Sundays, we're going to have no attendance in church. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to do all of them together in, in one shot. So if you had plans to go visit someone, you, you have about 30 seconds while I pray. Let's, uh, let's do that and we'll study the word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So last year around this time, the Lenten season, I, I came across this network of people they're called 40 baggers, not beggars, baggers. And these are people who are intentionally trying to simplify and declutter their, their lives. They start during the season of Lent, and the idea is that they're going to remove a bag of stuff from their house every day during the Lenten season. It's an international group. There are hundreds of thousands of members to it. And every single day, there are countless posts from members talking about what actually constitutes a bag, how can they clean something better, and my favorite posts are what are we going to do with the stuff that we're going to get rid of. The best part about those particular posts are the comments. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but sometimes when you read the articles online, the best part is what comes in the comments. So, for example, one of these posts came up recently, and this is, this is what the lady said. Just came across my old original dot matrix printer. I think it's from the late 80s. It's not compatible with any of my current stuff, but I just can't bear the thought of throwing it out. Goodwill won't take it, and I'd hate for it to end up in a recycling bin. So then we get to the comments. One creative lady thought that she should repurpose this printer into something else, like a flower pot or, or something. Another person suggested that a museum might want it. And after about 15 of these, these comments, these helpful suggestions, the original poster put up her response. Great news, everybody, exclamation point. I found a new home for the printer. I just dropped it off at the local church. <laughs> it's, it's funny until you all show up tomorrow and see what gets dropped off here at the church. Um, now, quite a few of the 40,000 other people in the network all started to chime in about this because because this is how it works in, in these groups. Everybody's got an opinion ab about this. And so it, it started like this. What a great idea. I am sure the church is so blessed to have that. I'm so glad that you thought about them. 
What a gift to the local community. And then one commenter even went as far as to say, I hope that they sent you a nice thank you note and a donation receipt. And I about lost my mind. (laughs) Because God does not need your 1989 original dot matrix printer. He didn't need it in 1989, and he certainly doesn't need it now. And no, you did not do something good by bringing it to the church. And no, you don't deserve kudos and accolades for your philanthropic efforts. God doesn't need your junk. He deserves your treasure. Up until this point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has delivered what scholars call the traditional teachings. If you recall, you may have noticed that although many of the topics that we've talked about already from this sermon are common among people, they do not apply to absolutely everyone all the time. But as we move into Matthew chapter 6, we find that that we have moved on from the teachings and now we're going to talk about traditional practices, how we practice our faith. And these practices do apply to everyone. There are three practices that Jesus is going to talk about, almsgiving or generosity or just plain giving, prayer, and fasting. And Jesus starts with giving, not only starts with it, but then covers it three more times throughout this chapter here on the Sermon on the Mount. So clearly, economic generosity, which means what we do specifically with our money is on Jesus' mind and heart. He starts by saying, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have already received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your almsgiving may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Recently, Sung and I were invited to participate in a ministry fundraiser for a national ministry to youth. It's actually a ministry that the kids in this church benefit from. It's part of Great Escape. It's part of the team that does Jamaica. And as the incentive to give, the person that gave the most money would get to pick out a permanent tattoo that would be inked onto the president of the board's ministry. Let me tell you right now, we will never do such a fundraiser in this church. That's never going to happen. But even the idea that the board had to stoop to such a level to raise funds made me question the authenticity or the heart behind whatever gifts were received. Is it not enough that this ministry reaches thousands of kids each summer, that they are helping another generation grow up in the faith, that they are introducing kids to the love and grace and salvation of Jesus Christ? That's, That's not enough. That's not compelling enough for people to give. No, we we have to convince people to give by basically selling off the body of the board president. Selling off the body. 
That's, that sounds like prostitution. No wonder Jesus had some major problems with how we go about our giving. He told us to be aware of <clears throat> practicing our piety before others, and <clears throat> basically what that means is that we have to consider our motivations. When we give, expecting to be noticed, to be celebrated, to be publicly thanked, what is the motivation behind that? Jesus talks about trumpets rolling out before givers who wanted to make sure that their presence was known. And they especially wanted to make sure that the beneficiaries of their gifts were duly notified about their generosity. And in cases of giving to the poor, they wanted the poor to understand that their gift was a gift of salvation, not from God, but from the donor. And Jesus points out that, that giving like that does come with an immediate reward, instant gratification. And that's, that's who we've become as, as a culture. We, we want that instant gratification. You get recognized. You get applauded. You, you get what you secretly wanted. And so at the end of the day, it's really all about you. It's really all about you. But there's this alternative Jesus always gives us an alternative. He says, when you give, give in secret, anonymously, because God knows what you've done. He knows what you've carried in your heart. And though you may not get a building named after you or a huge article in the local paper, God has eternal rewards for you. And that's when giving becomes a matter of faith. Because you can see a tote bag when you give $25, and you can see a blanket when you give $50, and you can see your name on a program for which you are the title sponsor, but you cannot see eternal rewards just yet. And so when you give to the kingdom of God, to the church, you give on faith. And when you give on faith, then, it's not about you. Now it's about something that's larger than you, something that is much, much larger. Have you ever thought about what that looks like in the church? So let's, let's say that this week you give $50 to the church, the storehouse of the Lord. You will not be leaving here with a Kirkwood Church coffee mug or a car decal or anything else of that nature. So what did your $50 get you? Well, you got to be a part of the life of a little boy who showed up here at our Children's Lending Library this week and was so excited to get to go in and pick his own book and to learn new words, and to hear new stories, and to be warmly welcomed into a place that was all about him. You also got to be a part of today's sermon. Your $50 made sure that a whole group of people across three different services, very diverse set of people, got to hear and learn about the word of God. You got to be a part of that. Do you know what else your $50 did this week, it made sure that when several of your fellow church members were going through the anxiety and stress of hospitalization, that there was someone here from this church family 
on behalf of each of you, being there to pray with them and to remind them of God's very great peace. And if that is not enough, if that is not enough, if you don't think that's enough for your $50, let me tell you about what happened Wednesday night. Wednesday night is really hectic at the Lee house. It is youth group night. And so at our house, we have it worked out. Sung and Anna, they're going to come in late. And a lot of times, it's a lot later than when youth group gets out. But this particular Wednesday night, it was very, very late. And I was getting super agitated. And Sung texts, and he said, I, I will be there. I will be there. I need to stop and get one of the kids shoes. And I started thinking, wow, I, I, which one of my own kids do I not have shoes for? How did I miss this? He didn't stop to get one of my kids' shoes. He stopped to get shoes for one of the youth group. So if you're curious about what your $50 gets you, that's what it gets you. And you may not have seen any of that, but God saw all of it. Jesus speaks to these imperishable rewards a little bit later in, in the chapter in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A couple weeks ago, I was sharing with you about my recent hobby of, of running 5Ks. And when I started doing that, Deanna, who, our building family specialist over in the office, said to me, I just need to tell you that these things come with a ton of t-shirts. So the first time I ran one, I was really excited about this t-shirt. And then I saw it, and I was not excited because it was not a color that I or really any other human being on the planet is ever going to wear out in public. A and it also had these major sponsors on the back of it that I am totally unqualified and uninterested in representing, like the proctologist's office and the plastic surgeon, right? So at the end of the day, this t-shirt is a complete and total throwaway. And what I quickly discovered was that a lot of these t-shirts are throwaways. Such an incredible waste. But that's not why I started doing these in the first place. I, I did it for my health, but more than that, I did it because it was an intentional way to spend time with my daughter. So I have nothing to show you for that. I, I can't show you what time with my children looks like. We try to pick the races that we do based on who the beneficiaries of the race are, not what the t-shirt looks like. So in the end, I really have nothing to show you at all about these races that is tangible. And the only thing that is tangible that comes from these races almost always is a total throwaway. Because even the ones that I've kept, they're not going to last forever. The time with my daughter, that's priceless. The strides towards a healthier living, that is worth value. The benefits to those who I may never ever get to see personally, that is exponential. That is how you multiply yourself. 
If you are giving just to get something that you could just as easily buy at the store, you should know that you are giving to get something that can be destroyed, something that can be taken away from you, something that can fall apart. But giving to that which transforms lives and creates relationship and gives meaning and purpose rooted in faith and brings dignity to others, those are eternal treasures that cannot be destroyed, cannot be taken from you, and cannot fall apart. <clears throat> the last 5K that we did was the Superhero 5K, and it was to support the foster care system here in Manatee County. There are hundreds of kids here in Manatee County that do not have permanent, stable homes, do not have safe places to be. The t-shirt, by far, was the ugliest one to date. The day that I went to go pick up the race packet, the lady hands me the bag and she points out to me that each one of us would be running for a specific child here in Manatee County in the foster care system and that our child's biography and picture was in the packet. So I get out to the car and instead of looking at the t-shirt, I go looking for this bi biography. And I was given a 16-year-old boy whose name is DeMarc. And DeMarc, like I said, he's 16. He has been in 12 different homes since he was born. On the day of the race, the organizer sent out this notice asking everybody to show up at a table and have our child's name written across our arm. And I am a rule follower. I dutifully listened. I go over to the table. I roll, roll up my arm. And this woman takes this dark blue permanent marker and writes the mark across my arm. You might not have been aware of this, but the next day when I came into church, I wore long sleeves. And the next day after that, and the next day after that, and all through the conference in Atlanta and for several days upon my return, because no matter what I did, I could not get his name off of my arm. And I believe that God kept it on my arm until his name was sealed on my heart. Friends, I did not pray for the t-shirt, but every day I pray for DeMarc, a young man who I have never met, but who now is part of my life. Jesus is not quite finished on this topic. Twice more, he addresses money and giving. And he picks it up in verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And I know that some of you are thinking, oh, we got you, Pastor Hope. No offense, but eyes and health have nothing to do with money. The fact of the matter is, often when we teach this passage, we don't teach it in context. And so we usually use it to talk about what you put into your eyes, like pornography and, and the stuff that you read and trash and gossip. But actually, remember your audience here. Jesus was talking to people who were well acquainted with the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the evil eye is related to stinginess, jealousy, greed. And a healthy eye is all about generosity. An impossible ideal here would be to practice piling up wealth 
for ourselves, but not letting it be consumed, not letting it affect where our heart is, basically trying to protect all of our stuff. We could never fully do that. Jesus gives us a much more realistic transforming initiative. Invest in God's reign, in justice, and in charity, and your heart will be invested there as well. Jesus' final admonition is this. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Look at this carefully. Jesus isn't saying that you can't be rich. Nor is he saying that you will be poor. He's not saying anything about how much money you have or do not have. What he's saying, though, is if money owns your heart in either direction, if you are run by money, if all of your decisions are money-based, if the way that you treat other people is about money, if you buy and sell relationships with money, and you live and die by how much you have or do not have, it means that your heart cannot fully belong to God. You cannot have it both ways. In the coming weeks, Jesus is going to remind us that God is enough. We will see that in prayer and in fasting. In the Father, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be selfish. And we don't need another ugly t-shirt to inspire us to be generous in our giving. In the same way, the church does not need your 1980s dot matrix printer. Let's pray together. Holy God, we, we confess that sometimes we, we want to see the tangible benefits of what we're going to get out of giving. We, we want to see that, that tote bag and that coffee mug and that blanket, and, and we want to get something. We want to we walk away feeling like, like we've gotten something for what we give. But Lord, what you've promised us is so much greater because what you've promised us is eternal. It can't be taken away from us. It can't be destroyed. It can't rust or rot or wear out. So Lord, if we're going to make those kind of investments, help us to guide our hearts to give to the things that are going to last forever. In your name we pray. Amen.